everybody. Welcome back to a brand new episode. Of course, it's a brand new episode. Well, not it's not new anymore. It's new now. 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 Now it's old. That's old. This is new. Anyway, great episode. It's me, Mike Bregatelli. Of course, this is Mike Adelic, and I'm joined by Seth Warner from the San Francisco Psychedelic Society. We're talking microdosing. Everything that you ever wanted to know, but we're too... Uh, what what is that book called? Everything you were you wanted to know, but were too afraid to ask. But we're talking about the microdosing movement, and of course, people aren't afraid of microdosing. They're inquisitive about it. They're curious. They want to know what's going on. How can this help me? What is what do I have to know about this? And we really uh, cover all the grounds. Now, I think uh, Seth and I probably could have had more of like an inside baseball kind of chat, but we opened it up and got into what is microdosing. What is a microdose? What kind of protocols are there? And all of the the good questions. So everything you want to know about microdosing. And if you don't find it in this podcast, you are going to find it in the microdosing movement. It's the microdosing movement. It's a six-week course featuring James Fadiman, uh, the godfather of microdosing. Uh, He literally wrote the book on it, The Psychedelic Explorer's Guide. It's like the Bible for any psychonaut. Um, so they're, they, they've hooked up, they've teamed up with, with James Fadiman. Uh, they have weekly live classes, community socials, microdosing journals, supplemental videos. Uh, it's a six week course, like I said, and all the links that you will need to find that will be in the show description. They're also in my link tree on social media. If you're interested, use my links. I get a little credit for that, for hooking you guys up with that. They also operate on a sliding scale, which is really cool. So for people who, um, you know, maybe can't necessarily uh, afford it, but really want to participate, a limited amount of scholarship tickets will be available for individuals who who can't afford a ticket. So there's a form that you could fill out there. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's really amazing. We, we, you know, they, we really cover a lot of ground in this episode. Seth is so knowledgeable as a mycologist and a cultivator and, um, you know, uh, been, been him and I going through our own microdosing experiments. Uh, we had a, a good chat here. So the San Francisco Psychedelic Society, the microdosing movement, check that out. The links are in the show description, show notes, and uh, in the link tree on my social media. Go there, check it out. And I will be participating in that as well. I think it's a, a really, really cool thing that they put together. I really like the San Francisco Psychedelic Society and all the things that they're putting together. So uh, check them out. Check out what they're doing and uh, check out that link. And if you're interested in microdosing, I highly, re- I highly recommend this. It's, it's good to do something like this in community together uh, and especially with uh, James Fadiman, who is just, uh, you know, the, the father of modern microdosing is just, uh, it's, it's amazing. There's always, there's also going to be, um, uh, a few people from the microdosing Institute and from the, and, and Adam Bramlage of flow state micro. Uh, so they're, they're tapping into over 30 years of combined microdosing experience to empower everyone who attends this with the best information available in this six-week course, the microdosing movement. So uh, really excited for this. Really, really cool. And you guys are going to love this podcast. Uh, it's it's a great one. I love talking with Seth. He, he's, uh, he's a kindred spirit. All right. Well, uh, let's do a little promotional activity so that I can survive and uh, and thrive in this crony, capitalist, corporate, commodified environment. Uh, Sheath underwear. I love sheath underwear. I wear sheath underwear. 
It's really, really comfortable. You can get 20% off uh, if you put the code Mikeadelic in at checkout. And, uh, you know, they have the, the pouches that separate your man parts down there to keep everything dry and comfortable. No itching, chafing, super, super comfortable material. They just launched the Flower of Life sheath underwear. It's so cool. So amazing. I think maybe even more comfortable. I, I really, really enjoy this pair so much and the design. It's really awesome. Uh, and sheath underwear is, uh, you know, it's a, they're a company with the, a similar set of core values and vision. And I just really love what they're building and what they're doing and what they're creating and their products are great and they support me. And if you guys feel that it's uh, something that you're interested in, Hey, it can make a good gift. You know, you never know, get someone a pair and, uh, yeah, you could probably fit a about, I don't know, a hundred microdose capsules in that, in that sheath pouch, just saying, uh, not endorsed by sheath, but you know, I'm just saying, you know, those pouches, you don't just have to put your, uh, schlong a ding dong and your nut bag in there. You can, you can fit all kinds of things down there if you know what I'm saying, but it's amazing. It's moisture wicking fabric. Um, really, really super, super comfortable. Um, just really great design, uh, amazing stuff. So go to sheathunderwear.com. You know, I wear them. My girlfriend wears them. My friends wear them. Uh, everybody really loves them. I've heard nothing negative about them uh, at all. You can wear it with the pouch, without the pouch. doesn't matter. They're still really, really comfortable, really pleasant experience and uh, great for workouts, hikes, just casually as well. Sheathunderwear.com. Put in the promo code Mikeadelic at checkout. And then the other sponsor is the San Francisco Psychedelic Society. I'm, I'm psyched about what they're doing in this microdosing movement. So go and check out what they're doing. The links are in the show description. Check it out and get involved in the microdosing movement. It's going to be awesome. Thanks to everybody who has become a Patreon member. Uh, really, I'm really focused for unleashing some real super awesome stuff for 2021 with Patreon. I really want to build community on there. The more people that we have participating and being engaged with the content and the bonus content and the Zoom calls and the book club stuff that, that I want to build, uh, it only works with participation. So I would love to have you guys there. Check it out. It's patreon.com slash Mike Brank. And then big shout out, much love to everybody who leaves five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcast takes two seconds if you love the show. It helps immensely. People that I want to book for the show, say I want to get Paul Stamets on the show or even Jim Fodeman, uh, they'll look to Apple Podcasts and be like, hey, is this a show worthy of me You know, giving my time to? The more ratings and reviews, it, the more likely that we get guests like that. Also, just the more likely that people are able to see what we're talking about in the algorithm on Apple Podcasts and everywhere else. The more ratings and reviews, the better it is. So you know what to do if you love things. I hope, uh, you know, I want to create something here that inspires people to, to take action. You don't want some guy uh, on a microphone telling you what to do. So, you know, if you love it, share it, tell people about it, leave those ratings and reviews, consider becoming a Patreon member. It's great. We, we, we love building community. We have people from all around the world. We have a private discord chat called the inner sanctum and a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, mushroom cultivation classes coming soon via Denver mushroom, uh, the Denver mushroom cooperative. So uh, a lot of really cool things that are happening. Um, and that's pretty much it with, with that. With that being said, uh, let's jump into this podcast with Seth Warner from the San Francisco Psychedelic Society. Psychedelics are illegal, not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third-story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down 
models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject authority. Authority is a lie. Information is power. But we have to seize, seize the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity. Seth Warner from the San Francisco Psychedelic Society. We're going to be talking about microdosing and what that is and all about and the microdosing movement that the San Francisco Psychedelic Society is offering. And a fun thing to do is say San Francisco Psychedelic Society 10 times fast. Or if you want to play around with it, say San Francisco Psychedelic Society selling psilocybin by the seashore with Sally. And that is also fun for me. I don't know if it's fun for you, but Seth... Thanks for being here with me and, uh, you know, riffing about microdosing. Yeah, man, I'm really glad to be here. Hey, thanks for that nursery rhyme. Let's see if we can get a children's book out there sometime. Um, You know, man, yeah, it's just a great, it's a great opportunity to talk to you. It's been really fun just making this interview happen. So thanks a lot. And yeah, SFPS, it's so much easier. SFPS. So there we go. Psychedelic Society. <laughs> we got we got that one going pretty quick. Um, you know, it's funny. It's kind of a hard word to spell psychedelic, but you pretty you get used to it pretty quick when you have to write it on like every single thing you do. And uh, I'm sure you can relate to that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Uh, the microdosing course that we got coming up, we're calling it the microdosing movement because it's just kind of like a more fitting name. Uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago that I was a bit of a critic of microdosing and I, I was just trying it myself, but I was more of a critic of the PR and like the hype that I heard about microdosing. Um, hey, like this is just going to make you more productive, better at work. I, w- I was kind of looking at it um, with the standard lens of like, hey, more magic pill terminology. I see that mm-hmm. word out there a lot. <laughs> and I, I think we don't want to be... Uh, kind of what is it training the psychedelic you know community at large to like look at this as just another kind of same capitalist opportunity to and not that you know i'm not 100 percent against capitalism or whatever you know it's just like in capitalism there's the ongoing deception that whatever it is that you think is wrong with you or whatever they could get you to think that's wrong with you or whatever you think could be better about yourself is just one convenient purchase away Um, Right. Yeah. So with this movement, you know, we call it, we're just kind of calling it the microdosing movement as a recognition of what we see happening. This kind of like silent revolution of people taking care of themselves, uh, practicing self-care in a radical way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I, I sort of was like, I guess, triggered by a lot of the um, aesthetics and a lot of the characters and players in the microdosing space, 
uh, when it when it first kind of came online more into the mainstream. And um, I was really attracted to actually uh, David Nichols' presentation of the commodification of the sacred that really resonated with me. And you know, again, I'm, I'm not against capitalism and against free market exchange, you know, val- uh, giving uh, this currency that we've created to represent energy time exchange and that sort of thing. I mean, that's kind of seems okay, but there's, there was something about it. And I think you hit it with that magic pill thing, right? It's like, we, we, we don't want psychedelics to just become some kind of, or at least from my perspective, I was thinking, well, we don't want psychedelics to become some kind of thing that just helps you become a better worker or a more efficient worker and and not necessarily changing the or giving you insight into some of the areas of where you could become a more conscious, empathetic and compassionate being uh, to offer more creativity and more, um, you know, solutions to some of the problems that we face. So I, I looked at it in a similar lens where it's just like, okay, well, we're just kind of going like this medication route rather than this medicine route with this thing. But maybe I was wrong. Maybe I was wrong. You know, maybe I was wrong. Maybe it was just bringing up something in, in me or whatever. But I've, I've microdosed. I've benefited from microdosing. Yeah, same, man. I, I really yeah. have too. And I've definitely even taken it to some extremes, probably microdosed like too much at certain points, maybe even became a little dependent on it, to be honest with you. Oh, um, in a, interesting. about that, but, um, you know, what was really, you know, what really stands out to me is like that it's more about the model that we're approaching it with. And if there's magic in it, you know, if there's magic in the opportunity to cultivate mushrooms and create your own medicine and, you know, however you want to take the path. Um, I think it's really about what else you're doing. It's not just depending, you know, you don't want to become dependent on it. I just use that word, but you don't want to depend on microdoses to become a better person, right? You want to help them. You want, or sorry, you want them to help you make the decisions, see the world in a different way so that you can be your own healer, you know, so that you can really show up for yourself. And I think, you know, I'm not really, I've never taken um, many pharmaceuticals or anything. Uh, I did, you know, I did take something to lower my blood pressure when I was a kid. I had like a lot of twitches and it actually really helped me, but it was such a low dose. The doctors are basically like, yeah, this probably shouldn't do anything actually, <laughs> you know, but it helped. And I think that there's a belief in there, placebo, um, the feeling that I could talk to people about my problem. I was like having a lot of like twitches, like shaking, kind of like ticks and, uh, talking to my parents, you know, about it, talking to these like official doctors about it. I think all of those aspects probably helped me more um, as the pill became like a symbol of uh, connection, symbolizing kind of like support. And I think that the more that we can move towards a model with anything that we're doing in that direction, it's really good. And I'm not saying that, oh, look, you know, psilocybin is a placebo because, you know, anybody that's used it knows it's absolutely not. Um, but it's really about what is the network of support that comes with it. And and that's one thing we're really trying to focus on with the microdosing movement is, you know, it's six classes once every week on a Sunday, but in between, you know, we have, uh, an opportunity for people to hang out. We have like a social every Tuesday. And then additionally, there's like a, a discord server. We're going to be having ongoing chats and opportunities to connect with other people in the real world there. 
And so what we want to do at large as the Psychedelic Society is just really help those organic connections be woven and to really help these, uh, you know, not that you have to do healing work, but I think that a lot of people that are showing up want to be a part of this collective and individual, global, these different layers of healing that we're all, uh, or many of us are feeling a call to act upon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, healing can be represented in many different kinds of dimensions uh, for for all of us. And um, one of the things I love about uh, microdosing is that it, it, like similar to what you said, it sort of unlocks a little bit of this greater uh, capacity for connection within you. So it's, you know, sort of symbolic in a way of, of, of the medicine of the mycelial network, just being like, Hey, like we're re we're, we're, you're going to ingest this, but we're also like reaching out within you and, and, and outside of you to, to bring in more of a community and more of a dialogue and more sharing and journaling and talking about these, uh, the experiences that we're having. Um, and so, I'd love to start off with uh, a little bit about some, you know, in my experience, when talking to people who are kind of with it, you know, we're in the community that we're in, it seems that most people kind of know uh, what what's going on with this. Um, and then there's sort of like common misconceptions outside. Uh, so I want to give a little bit of... Um, uh, I want to give a little bit of of information to some people who might not know exactly what a microdose actually is, because mm. I have had situations where people have asked for microdoses and been like, oh, you know, I was hoping it was going to be more. And well, you know, according to the psychedelic Bible here, the psychedelic explorers guy by Jim Fadiman, uh, it's a sub perceptual dose. So maybe you could go in a little bit to what is microdosing and what is the right dose and what are we supposed to feel when we, when we take this? I, I think it's a really great question. And, you know, I'm, I'm, trying really to be a person that doesn't have answers. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the show folks. The show, <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, what I mean is like, you know, the dose changes is dependent on everybody. I think like a really important awareness that's coming into the space around microdosing right now is just finding your sweet spot. And like that might change depending on environmental conditions might change, you know, just based on who you are, your personal chemistry and makeup, perhaps other things that you do. Um, there's, there's a pretty broad, um, you know, it, it's generally under 0.2 grams. It could be as low as 0.05 grams of mushrooms. And this is different with different substances. Um, so, you know, the ballpark for LSD or, um, I think it's like some other, uh, synthetics that are similar to LSD that are not as illegal, um, you know, it's like five uh, micrograms to maybe 10 generally. But again, I don't, these are just kind of like baselines. The, the best thing to tell people is just to start low and go slow. And that is just basically to say, look, nobody is here to tell you what your right dose is or like what you're supposed to be feeling. Generally, you're not supposed to feel like you're tripping, <laughs> you know, that's right. like what makes it a micro dose. It's like sub perceptual is the word. Right. And so, so if, if I'm, so just to play like sort of, you know, devil's advocate here or yeah. like ask questions that maybe people might have. So Seth, if, I, if I'm not supposed to be tripping, then why the hell am I taking this? 
That's a really great question. And it, I'll just tell you from the many people that I've spoken to about it um, from personal experiences, it's not that you don't feel it, it's that you don't really feel it. You know, it right. doesn't hit you. But a lot of people notice, um, Isla Waldman, this woman, she wrote, uh, you know, she wrote a whole book, but I think just the title does it justice enough in some cases. And the book is called A Really Good Day. Mm. And that's generally the experience people are having is like, you know, I shouldn't say generally, but a lot of people enough that it's a phenomenon, enough people are having experience with microdosing that they just feel better about their life. For some reason, they just start making better choices about their health. And that kind of creates this feedback loop where there's an improvement in their life in a real way. And they don't become reliant on the microdose to feel that way. You know, it's like, okay, you know, I'm feeling better today and I'm running. <laughs> you know, I also just crave it or I want to. And that's the probably just the most interesting thing is like, you know, all these different, maybe it's a diet you want to be on, eat a certain way, running, drink less alcohol, eat less sugar, etc. For some reason, just a lot of people that use microdosing, they're having experience where they just want to make those healthy choices. They're not forced to. It just feels better when they do it. And I think that that's just one of the most interesting things. I'm not saying that's for everybody. Definitely not. But um, it's it's frequent enough that it's like a real fascination of mine. Yeah, I completely agree. I I, I feel that when I microdose, uh, that my 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 attitude, my feeling, uh, the day that I'm embarking on is just a little bit brighter, a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, things are a little bit shinier. I feel a little bit more positive, a little bit more motivated, um, and it's such a such a huge help. Um, now there's also, I remember being at a, a microdosing conference in Brooklyn some years ago with Hamilton Morris, Duncan Trussell, Sophia Korb, I think. Yeah. That? Yeah. Uh, and be helping with our course and, uh, James Fadiman too. Great. Yeah. And they, they mentioned, I think they were talking about LSD when they were talking about this, not quite sure. It might've been microdosing in general, but they talked a little bit about some potential downsides, uh, some potential, uh, maybe um, what I recall from that was uh, that on, in some cases that maybe it could heighten some things that are already there for you. So if you're kind of prone to anxiety, maybe uh, the microdose could heighten that in certain occasions. Mm -hmm. um, what, what have you seen and what have you heard about uh, some potential um you yeah. know, side effects that might not be as pleasant. I, I think that this is probably one of the most important conversations to have because any time that everybody wants to say this is a perfect, you know, this is a perfect thing. Well, you just know it's kind of like a hype. You know, you right. kind of want, like I have a natural inclination to just want to challenge that, to just like throw it back in its face. <laughs> so don't worry. I've been trying my best to do that. So I, I've had this really cool opportunity uh, through putting this course together, putting this, uh, you know, the movement, the microdosing movement together to work with, you know, James Fadiman, somebody, uh, Adam Bramlage, who works really closely with James, as well as the Microdosing Institute from the Netherlands. And yeah, James, you know, that's from the data that him and Sophia had been collecting since uh, creating the Psychedelic Explorers Guide. And 
you're right. I mean, it seems like anxiety is the main thing that they have been cautioning against. So people with anxiety, you know, watch out, don't maybe don't use microdosing uh, or don't rely on it for that kind of better day because it, you know, psychedelics at large are a non-specific amplifier. I think that that's one of the best definitions I've heard personally. Mm-hmm. It feels really true because <laughs> people are always asking like, um, being a mushroom person, they're always like, Oh, are there different strains that have different effects? And I'm like, well, different days have different effects, probably a lot more than the strains and stuff. Um, because it's really just like where you are that day, where you're coming from, where you're at. So that's definitely possible. Now, I think a good question is like, is it necessarily a problem that things are coming up? Um, challenges are coming up. I think it's pretty clear that just nonspecific anxiety isn't really a helpful experience. But if there's the potential that it helps you kind of face it and work through a challenging thing, I think that's positive. Um, But also more recently, you know, the work in, I think the Netherlands, they're doing it. And Adam, he's been working with a number of different athletes. That hasn't been, it hasn't been always true that people with anxiety are, you know, having a worse experience because they're microdosing. So it kind of comes back again to this really individual experience that people are having with it. And we're so, there's so little data on this that there's a, excuse me, there's just so little data. Um, I mean, and these people have like a lot of data comparatively to most, but there's not that much science that has gone on. It's mostly citizen science and trying to figure out, you know, why is it better or worse for certain people is really a challenge that, you know, the community is taking on at large, but there's no clear answer. Mm. Yeah. So that's what we, we hope to, to accomplish is to get more data, right. And, um, more, more information. What, uh, what's going on right now in that space? I mean, I guess that a lot of, it's a lot of like anecdotal, you know, you get Mm -hmm. stories and, and, and stuff like that, which I find to be extremely helpful, but, you know, we also live in this world where it's like, really beneficial to have these the you know to speak the language of the establishment essentially to say like hey look at these these are like hard numbers here uh so are are there things happening you mentioned the microdosing institute are there things happening that are helping give more uh credibility to 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 this movement um yeah there definitely are and I think, you know, I know Paul Stamets is a part of a project called microdose.me, like microdose me. And I think that there's probably that and some other um, apps that are out there that are basically making it an effort to collect as much data as they can from people that are microdosing. And I think that's pretty cool. But my, like, my concern is that that won't be open source data. It's just too valuable, I'm guessing, to... Uh, offer that back to the community. And I know that with the groups that we're putting together, we really do, we're looking at the microdosing movement, what we're doing with this uh, series of classes and, and, you know, connections is to really like launch something. So we're going to have a, like an ongoing support group. Recently, our organization switched our, uh, all of our integration circles and support groups to being totally donation based. So super accessible. And we'll have one just for microdosing coming up. But we really want to create a community-wide database that allows, um, you know, and, and these people have data already, Microdosing Institute, James Fadiman. And we're not sure what the future will hold exactly, but we would like to share data 
uh, amongst all of us from people that really want to be a part of creating an open source citizen science database so that as a community, we can really look at the legitimacy, but more importantly, you know, I think that that's proven to a lot of people. So more importantly, further concerns that we might want to take. I mean, there's actually very few cases of people having bad outcomes. Um, Really, it seems like really like very odd or strange cases where there have been, but those kind of get locked into like a certain lore. Um, And I know there's a Shakruna article that came out warning about the enlargement of like heart valve due to um, the use of microdosing with I think LSD was what they were talking about primarily in the article. Um, And, you know, it's hard, it's hard exactly to say it, I don't think that that article is based on um, evidence. It's based on like kind of looking at similar things and how it might impact, but there's definitely a reason to think like, Hey, we don't know everything right now. You know, there's no, um, but at the same time, there's so few, you know, we're coming off of anecdotal evidence. There's actually so very few bad experiences that people have had that to think, that we shouldn't say a word about microdosing or that we shouldn't try to help people do it in a safer way, in a, in a better way, because there's the pot- potential for people to have a bad experience. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, you know, and I know you're, you're just not like you're saying that, but <laughs> you know, so we're just really trying to make sure that the people that are showing up are having that better experience. But I want to be honest and transparent that there are unknowns. This isn't, you know, thousands of years old in our, in our context or in our culture where we know how it's going to impact people. But it actually seems like, you know, there have been indigenous practices of just using small doses on a regular basis as well. Um, particularly yeah. with like, um, like Wachuma shaman, things like that, where they'll just have a microdose tea of a cactus like every day, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that speaking with Elizabeth Bast, she did a supplemental video for the course that, People, you know, there's people in the Iboga tradition, Iboga tradition in uh, Gabon, I think in the Buiti tribe, people will just, you know, that are the spiritual leaders, they'll use small doses of uh, Ibogaine or Iboga daily. So Mm -hmm. there are some, um, you know, there are some examples of this happening outside of the purely Western context. Oh, right. Yeah, that's good. I've heard that as well. And it's, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, you look at these things as medicines, which they are, it's like, well, yeah, it makes sense. You take a little medicine when you need it. And maybe you take a little, maybe sometimes you take more because you need more. Um, And, you know, people like us and other people who would maybe consider themselves psychonauts or in the psychedelic space more, are I think more willing to, you know, dive in with the unknowns because it's, you know, it's, it's impossible to, to, to know everything right away. And, and what I've seen also is a lot of people who are coming to this space out of desperation being like, look, I've tried, I was on the pharmaceuticals. I was on this, I was on that. I tried this, I tried talk therapy. I tried, uh, I don't know, CBT or whatever. I, you know, I've done all these things and, and nothing's really seemed to work. And I've, I've been hearing these reports of, of microdosing and Forbes and Michael Pollan and Paul Stamets. And, you know, so I, I've tried everything and I'm just willing to, to dive in. So you have that tier of people. And then you have the sort of people that are just not going to move until they have concrete, scientific, double blind, experimented, hard research stats and facts. And then they'll say, well, okay, this seems safe. Um, yeah. So 
So yeah, so I'm wondering like what you're seeing on your end, people coming into the microdosing movement, people coming into this space, what kind of questions are they asking? Where are they coming from? What what are they concerned about? What do they want to get out of this uh, microdosing movement? You know, I think the biggest thing that people really are coming for is just like, they. a lot of people get the basic idea, you know, take small doses, but they just really, what we see is that people really want... Um, I say it like the most like politely, but I'll say I'll say it as rude as possible. People just want like somebody to walk with them, to hold their hand kind of and be like move into this space with confidence. And yeah. there's actually nothing wrong with that. It's not rude at all. Um, and it's a service that we're like super stoked to help provide people, you know. Um, so we're we're talking about all the details, you know, how to put together a microdose, you know, how to, you know, obviously we can't help anybody source materials. Uh, ideally people are living in that decriminalized place or waiting to be in a place, you know, where they can approach this with legality at their back. Um, but at the end of the day, this is a harm reduction. We really want people to like not do it wrong and take huge doses and then be like microdosing ruined my life, <laughs> you know, something like that. Um, but yeah, people are really coming. I think, and it, I think it is really important that people approach with confidence and, beyond confidence, like the opportunity to do it right the first time, you know, really want people that are like tr planning to have this experience to have a good experience as much as we can. So that's why we're really emphasizing the community aspect. We have like the lessons that cover really all the basics and much more, you know, Q and a with the father of modern microdosing, James Fadiman, really bringing him in. And we've, spend a lot of time making a journal so that people can document, um, you know, the experience they're having on a daily basis, as well as their overall experience, like a reflection at the beginning, where they're coming from a reflection at the end, uh, you know, how they might've changed through the experience. And that includes like opportunities to, you know, just fill in a few bubbles every day, do like a two minute kind of impressions, like a quick jot, a little five minute free write, and then like some prompts that follow like a kind of a system that we put together um, so that they can really look at the various aspects of their life. So if people want to take it all the way to like full life review, that opportunity is there. If people want to show up and learn a couple things, that opportunity is there. If people hope to just make some new friends that are trying to do the same thing, that opportunity is there. Um, we don't really expect anybody to make use of like every single thing that we're offering, but we're hoping that everybody that shows up will get something that they needed. And, you know, part of our mission is to make these things accessible. So scholarships are very available and uh, it's $60 at a starting rate with a sliding scale that goes up to around 200. So people can kind of like pay what they want. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. And I, and I really, I love the, what you just talked about and the, and what you're, you know, putting together with this, because, you know, we hear in my experience, I, I feel like, you know, I talk to so many people and I hear community and integration and community and connection. And, and this seems to be that really like manifested into an actual, uh, actionable, uh, uh, you know, I know you don't want to call it a course, but like the, yeah, the, no, it's fine. It's the best word. Yeah, the 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 movement because it really can help. You know, I mean, you know, I just think about how I guess maybe resistant I was in the past to to certain things and just being like, well, I get it. I'll just do it my own. But uh, you know, over the over the last couple of years, I've really started to lean into um, this 
you know, this real true uh, connection with community. So, so being there with other people and hearing what they're going through and hearing their experiences, asking experts uh, and having that space to really, um, you know, almost like a scientist, right? You're like you're experimenting yeah. on yourself and, and you're there to like compare and share notes with other people. And that can be hugely beneficial. I mean, it, it mimic, it really mimics what, psilocybin does in the brain which is like quieting that default mode network and you know allowing for different areas to communicate with each other and the and, and that sort of thing and so here you're sort of like mimicking that and manifesting that with this group and with this with this movement uh what what, what do you what do you think about what i just said is that, does that sound fair that sounds cool say? man i like the okay. way you said that like yeah i mean I don't know if I want to take the credit to be like, yeah, I'm just like psilocybin. Our course is like psilocybin. <laughs> That's pretty bold because, yeah, I really hold and revere uh, that substance and what it can help people with. So on one hand, a huge compliment. Thanks, Mike. That's really nice of you to say. And and also, yeah, I mean, you know, our community I think we even call it our community, you know, that's just like enough said right there. Like this community. You know, really, on one hand, I could be saying, well, the psychedelic audience, you know, or like this market sector, you know, but no, we're like talking about these people because I'm nobody, man. Like before I started doing this, it's like an activist basically trying to work for the world, you know, trying to have nature as my boss, trying to figure out how to, you know, engage uh, with healing. I was looking at a lot at permaculture, farming, traveling a lot, going to different farms and just trying to learn as much as I could. And I started teaching about mushroom cultivation and, uh, you know, gourmet and medicinal, not even psychedelic was not, didn't want to be that guy at first, but man, like hundreds, hundreds of people like asked me to be that guy. And it finally like really just woke, I just woke up to it. Like, look, this is what people are asking for. Like, I don't think it's because it's wrong. <laughs> you know, it's like the right thing to do. Uh, this is what people are needing. Like they've had, a, had amazing experiences, whether micro or large doses of uh, psilocybin. And, you know, obviously there's other substances. I'm speaking from the perspective of like a mushroom person. But yeah, it really got me thinking about psychedelics. Taught, started teaching a couple small classes. And then that led to the introduction to the Psychedelic Society at its first meeting, its reformation meeting. And I've just been there ever since, um, trying to like really use, really help the community engage with this leverage point for personal growth. And so that I think together we can develop healing communities that ultimately serve a much larger role because, you know, I don't think that this is where it ends. Like, I don't think somebody starts microdosing and then they're like, ah, oh, thank God I'm better now. It's like, no, like you can microdose or you can use psychedelics and you can go back to whatever you were doing and be better at it. Or you can mm. ask yourself, is this the right place for me? Yeah. Or you can see like, what is my highest, you know, like you can ask hard questions. Like what is my highest, you know, offering? What am I doing with this life experience? That's so brief and, you know, just <laughs> weird. <laughs> it's just freaking weird. <laughs> yeah. 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 Let's, let's circle back to what we were talking about before sure. a little bit in like the, um, 
with microdosing to be like a more productive worker or, you know, whatever they, these like things that I had thought and maybe you had considered too in the beginning. And it's like, you know, the, the, one of the thoughts that came to my mind was that, you know, that through microdosing, you're, you know, whatever, wherever you're working, whatever you're doing, uh, I think, I, I believe that it can help you to, you know, just open up and see things in maybe a different kind of way or start to do things a different way. So it's not necessarily like you're getting stuck in this, you know, um, uh, capitalist model of like, well, I just take a microdose, I feel better and I just go to my job and I, and I'm, and I feel better doing my job and like, that's it. But, um, the, the question that I'm like floating around or that I'm trying to like find here is that, you know, it could potentially help, come up with new and creative solutions that we couldn't see before we couldn't think of before to make more healthy inroads into sort of a more psychedelically infused type of worldview or perspective or just a healthier one a more mm -hmm. natural one, more balanced one so yeah i don't know if there's like a question in there but i i guess what i'm saying is that that it, it, it's it, it, we don't know exactly what the uh, outcomes could be for people who are taking these things to uh, help them along their path. It could potentially be that there's uh, organizations that have people microdosing and that's okay and that they're coming up with new and creative solutions to, to get us back to a more balanced and healthier way of, of living with the natural environment. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's possible. I don't know how, like, I don't know. I can't say what it's going to look like, you know, but right, I'm just here right. to kind of, I don't know, maybe it's bold, but I really like the consideration of being like a doula, like helping to birth something. Mm. And, you know, I think psychedelic societies at large are kind of offering their, their services as doulas for a, a birthing movement. And yeah, I love that. <laughs> it's obvious that this is not the beginning of the movement. You know, <laughs> if anything, we're at the end of a very strange movement of prohibition. You know, uh, of course, it's been like around for a long time, prohibition, but not as long as you'd think, right? It's like more like that's the weird thing is prohibition. It's it's more been it would seem that access to different altered states are uh, pretty constant throughout time in civilizations. So for us to have this really limited uh, accessibility for a kind of a long time in America, at least, but I think really Western culture at large, uh, that's strange. And um, it's so interesting that that's ending right now. And I just think that one of the biggest questions we have to ask is like, if this is part of being a human, you know, access to altered states, altering our states of mind, having those different perspectives that help us see the world different, see ourselves in a new way that might inspire that, that change that move towards balance, move towards health. You know, what are the pieces of that that are missing? You know, if it's like a fractured kind of fragmented, um, you know, image that we're recovering this image of, you know, our access to these States, you know, what, what aren't we getting? And I really do believe that, well, first of all, I'll say I have a lot of faith in just the ability of these substances to create good outcomes. However, I do think that context and container are a huge part of it as well. And that like, there's no reason to be so confident that, oh, 
you know, whatever quote unquote the man or whatever our fears create could never like use these substances for the worst case scenario versus the best case scenario. You know, if we're, I think that this is like a kind of like a David Nichols conversation too. I've listened to the symposia stuff a little bit and um, I can't remember where I came across it, but I think it was around there, but just like, Oh, well, you know, if we can help soldiers with PTSD so that we can send them back to war, like, are we really, you know, are we really solving the issues of our times? And uh, those are just good questions. <clears throat> and I don't know if you're familiar. Let me ask, are you familiar with the book, uh, Brave New World? Oh, yeah. 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 So, I mean, we have Soma is like Brave New World. Um, you know, the substance that you take when you're just completely overwhelmed and wish you could quit your job. Might as well just get high, forget about all that, and then get back to work, right? Mm-hmm. That's my biggest fear, that I'm a part of you know, being a doula, helping birth a movement that leads to that, Mm -hmm. you know, is that, okay, there's like this real shadow dark side of our culture that can use and abuse anything. Um, you know, I think punk, I always, (laughs) I like to make fun of punk rock because I really love punk rock music or really went through a long phase. Um, where it's just like, wow, how funny is it? How much money are these kids spending at hot topic? to like look punk rock (laughs) yeah like so ironic you know how is this so co-opted and nobody's questioning it right uh, yeah not nobody i mean obviously there's a lot of punks that are not down but i'm just it's an example yeah i'm so glad you brought that up because i i'm like a former punk myself and like still have that little punk within me and it's like yeah like that is a, a sort of a concern it's like um but isn't that like i don't know you know someone brought this up to me i remember talking to them about it and i'm and i'm just like man it's just like it, everything always gets co-opted it's so you know sell out and this and that and you know you're buying ripped jeans for $200 and you know uh, Kendall Jenner is like handing a police officer a Pepsi before you know he beats a bunch of people with a baton and then he drinks a Pepsi and he's like oh never mind i'm i'm cured now cuz of Pepsi you know <laughs> like whatever whatever it is but it's just like i guess it's also part of my process too is just kind of accepting the unfolding of the all and mm-hmm. it's like you know we're just trying to and you are just being this doula facilitating this you know and we don't know and you know it is going to help a lot of people and then some people are going to say hey take a microdose and you'll be able to crush these excel spreadsheets for your boss and like you know and it's just like it's yeah. gonna ha- it's gonna go in all these different ways but there's always in my opinion i feel like there's always going to be a little you know there's going to be these little niches that are really like people are really getting the healing that they need and and, and helping themselves and and who's to say you know with with people and, and the way that they want to to use these things for what kinds of purposes and what kinds of benefits and and yeah. um, you know, so I think that there's, it's, it's just like everything, right? There's going to be good. There's going to be bad. There's going to be things that we shouldn't label as good or bad. And it's just going to be what it is, but right. there's going to be so much, uh, so many wonderful things that come out of it. Um, yeah, I just want to speak to that. Like, you know, I was expressing my fear, right. And, and like, my fear isn't to say that this is what's wrong with psychedelics or this is what's right. Like my fear is completely biased based on my life experiences. So yeah, I think actually <clears throat> to move forward in a way where there's opportunity for all these conversations, all these voices, and for that person that has to do Excel spreadsheets every day, like let them have it, like let let them let, right. like let them enjoy it a little more, crush it a little harder. I'm not necessarily against it. I just want to make sure that there's room for um, you know a variety of conversations to be had. 
Hell yeah. Yeah. And, and that's like my, my inner punk is like, is saying, you know, to me, like the things that will come up sometimes when it'll be like, man, fuck this. Like everybody needs big doses. We got to wake up the fucking world, man. Like we got to fucking see the shit that's going on. Like all of our actions and choices have all these neg- you know, impacts and like, we got to help underprivileged people and we got to fu- change the system. And, you know, the psychedelics can allow you to conceptualize things in different ways. So we need these big doses to reimagine. <laughs> society and blah 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 you know really authoritarian <laughs> yeah it's like all right dude like calm down man like we like we can there's also room for like you know like, <laughs> 10 micrograms and like you know just like have a better day like what's wrong with that it's like yeah yeah you're right okay all right yeah. <laughs> well, i think subtly one of the most the one of the things that excites my punk rock um i don't know my punk rock side the most is just like you know helping people learn to grow mushrooms like yeah. if you can grow them, you know, if anybody grows their own mushrooms, like they know, you know, for microdosing, like, the, or even just for any kind of dosing to grow your own mushrooms for personal use, it's like you like accidentally just grew like a lifetime's worth of mushrooms or something, you know, yeah. um, not that it's every time, but you know, a lot of people, it's kind of you know a prolific thing uh, in the tiny, like a shoebox size space, somebody could grow enough mushrooms to microdose for a year you know uh it's like it's kind of ridiculous and to me that that that's kind of like one of these bigger hooks in our culture is pharmaceutical industry and these different um kind of mandated ways to get help so i just think that like having this kind of alternative is is pretty radical and it's just very exciting to me to think that not only are people able to like create that for themselves or their loved ones but additionally um you know, they're learning a skill that they could go and grow other kinds of mushrooms too, mushrooms that maybe we don't even know yet. Maybe in the future, there'll be genetically modified mushrooms that you can grow and they have like a ton of vitamins in them or some weird stuff. Who knows? And, uh, yeah, the future is going to be very interesting and, and fungal, I believe. Yeah. The future is fungal. I love that. Maybe that's the name of the episode. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I love what you just said. I really do. As someone who's recently started cultivating over the past year here in Denver, where it's decriminalized for personal possession, which is amazing. Um, it, it really has put me more in touch with the process, with the, I guess, maybe like ethos of, and the spirit of what it means to grow your own medicine. And, and that, that, you know, that, that, that itself is such a differentiator than just kind of, Oh, just give me a pill, just give me a thing. Um, but when you're really going, you know, nose to tail for lack of a better phrase, like in that process, um, that you are in fact creating that kind of more beautiful world, uh, to steal Charles Eisenstein's phrase, the more beautiful world our hearts know is possible mm-hmm. by getting back, you know, this kind of back to the land, more local, grow your own medicine, grow your own food, have more community, have more connection with have more intention with what you're doing and more of a connection with what you're doing and the people that are doing it. So it really does that whole process really does bring us back to the sort of values that we want to live by as the kinds of psychedelic, uh, oriented people that we, that we are. Um, now you mentioned, you know, you're a mushroom person and I know that and people know that and you, (laughs) you, you, so, so, um, 
what strain are you? No, uh, what? No, uh, <laughs> right. no, the Seth strain. A bit of a lion uh, strain myself. No, that's bold, huh? No. Yeah. Oh, but that's perfect though, because that's what I wanted to talk about. Is um, you know, other kinds of mushrooms uh, that can help actually add or benefit to the microdosing of psilocybin. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, I've you know, I do a, a lion's mane blend. I feel yeah. like lion's mane is really beneficial. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about some, you know, lion's mane and some of the other mushrooms that you feel that are, that help, uh, with, with the microdosing experience. You know, it's kind of a, a tough one, right? Cause you're layering on, uh, you know, an experience that's already sub perceptual. You're taking small doses, like even the psilocybin, which is arguably the most, um, you know, the thing that you can feel the most of any mushroom. Uh, you know, it, well, maybe not the most, there's some really deadly toxins out there that will mess you up. But with the other mushrooms, you know, that you just kind of take for me, you know, this is my experience with like, maybe not the most nuanced relationship where I've been taking and experimenting with like bigger doses of medicinal mushrooms or things, but I've kind of just consistently taken some sort of tincture or powder typically of like reishi or a mushroom blend that might include maitake, chaga, reishi. Um, you know, there's, there's a wide variety of medicinal mushrooms and they all have their place. They all seem to have, uh, these sugars in them called beta glucans. It's like a part of the cell wall of a mushroom. And they're these like really complex sugar molecules that activate your immune system in a way that is like beneficial. It kind of puts it like gets it like on guard, like ready to attack, you know, and not to say that it puts you on edge. It just keeps like your immune system active. And like, it kind of gives your, it's like these large sugar molecules break down. And this is my understanding. It's like really complicated, but they break down in these unpredictable ways in your body. And then they create these uh, different shapes and sizes that, you know, your body has to like react to, to see if they're invaders or whatnot. So it kind of keeps your uh, immune system somewhat active and like ready to fight. That's at least my, I guess, limited understanding of how, how it works. And additionally, like they just have a lot of other great, um, you know, things that they have uh, a lot of, what are these things called? Um, uh, they're in green tea and lots of different foods, uh, antioxidants, you know, oh, so yeah. Yeah. like antioxidants and then just a, a lot of like other cool benefits, like lowering cholesterol, increasing your libido, like, Reishi is great. It really has given, I've found, I think I like reishi a lot. It gives me energy. Um, I know also people take it to go to sleep. So that's kind of fascinating. Mm. Um, and actually here, let me say this. This is one of the most interesting things to me that's come up lately is, well, let me like tie that up and just say, it seems like medicinal mushrooms are really good for your immune system and help prevent you from getting sick. And it's hard to say exactly which is best. So I just take a mix. <laughs> you know, I, I like to, you know, cordyceps is also great as a good mm-hmm, energy booster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there, there's a, it's like such a whole conversation, but Amanita muscaria has been coming up a lot lately. And I didn't, you know, I tried it as just like kind of one of these things that people do. So Amanita muscaria for anybody listening is like this big red mushroom with white dots on it. I can almost guarantee you've seen it at the very least as like the Mario mushroom or something like that, or the Santa Claus mushroom. And, uh, there's all this lore about its use in like Siberia and like these Siberian shamans, like finding it in the woods and bringing it to people. And like, that is like the origin of the story of Christmas. And it's so interesting. But then when people go 
and attempt to like have uh, an Amanita muscaria experience with like the active compound muscimol, uh, they they usually just feel kind of drunk, get really tired, and don't feel very good about it. Um, I had a similar experience myself. Um, I heard Hamilton Morris talking about it. He said he took an extract of Amanita muscaria, and it was like the most psychedelic thing ever. So there is potential that maybe they, there's some sort of ancient extraction process that we've missed. You're supposed to drink like the urine of a reindeer that was eating it, et cetera. Like there's right. some, there's some nuances here. Um, anyway, but the, um, the real point is that people have been microdosing with it for anxiety and having like amazing experiences, like really helping them, uh, just come down from their anxiety or to sleep better at night. And, uh, so I've just been hearing a lot of reports and we actually have a supplemental video from this woman, her YouTube page is Amanita Dreamer. And yeah, she's been talking about it a lot. So we got her to do a supplemental video for the microdosing movement. And uh, just really excited to learn more about that. Because if there's a second magic mushroom that's like really helping people as well, like definitely want to know about that. Oh, yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah, pretty interesting stuff. And, um, you know, the whole the whole fungal kingdom is just so rich. And, you know, even just like penicillin, right? Something that's like saved so many millions of lives. Uh, that's fungal. You know, it's like a mold. <laughs> it's just like a, a un, uh, like a really not interesting mold. And somebody realized, oh, the antibiotic potential of this is immense. And they created a, uh, you know, a medicine that's still used today. It's been used for hundreds of years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's magic to, to be like cliche about it, but that's, that's, that's why, it, that's yeah. why it has the name. Like, you know, it's just all mushrooms are just amazing. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was wondering, like, I, I've heard some talk about, uh, the, where you're getting the extract or the, you know, where, where you're getting your, the, the mushroom microdose supplement, like the, well, let me rephrase that a little bit. I guess what I'm trying to say is the, I've heard some things about like the mycelium is better for you than the fruit bodies or the, no, the fruit bodies are better than the, mm. the mycelium or, you know, even, yeah. even some people saying like, well, but you may better make sure you get it from caps or stems or, you know, so what, what's your take on, on this? So, I mean, I think that you're talking about all medicinal mushrooms in general, right? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Okay, cool. It's like a pretty nuanced discussion, but I do want to first say that um, with psilocybin, actually one of the most interesting things on psilocybin, actually I keep saying most interesting. I'm just kind of a curious person. Um, that's, that's the new title for the episode. The most interesting <laughs> thing about psilocybin. And <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, I love this though, is that because um, I teach people how to cultivate mushrooms and it seems that there's actually a relatively um, similar level of my of psilocybin in the mycelium as there is in the fruiting body in the mushroom itself, and you know I really want. Luckily, I have access some friends that are running a lab here in Oakland and doing some testing, and uh, they've gotten some promising results from the mycelium. And if it's possible for people to just grow the mycelium, that makes it so much more accessible, like so much more accessible than it is. Uh, currently. And I'm just really curious, like if that might be a future that people are not even as concerned about growing um, the mushroom itself. And there's like hundreds of species of psilocybin containing mushrooms that we can cultivate the mycelium, but not the mushroom. And that means that there might be the potential for like a, a much richer variety of 
psilocybin mushroom experiences because they all have these different profiles, you know, because um, these are actually different species, not just different strains of one species. Like cannabis, all of the weed that you've ever smoked is one species, cannabis sativa, but tons of different strains. And it's similar with cubensis, uh, psilocybin cubensis, because all these different strains. But with mushrooms, there's actually the potential that there's tons of different species. Mm. So who knows what the future holds? Um, when it comes back to mushrooms, I think a lot of the reason for this debate, there's a couple of things that I'm like super aware of. Um, one is that a lot of people don't really trust Paul Stamets because he's a businessman and he's like, his company uses mostly the mycelium and right. he's saying, no, the mycelium is great. Like it's the best thing ever. So it's almost like, he's like saying it's better than using the mushroom in some cases, I think. And so he, I think that that has just really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. So there's a lot of like lashback. I've just heard it come up so much. And yeah, then, I don't. I don't trust him because he listens to dubstep in his lab. But you know, oh, really? You don't say. <laughs> like that was the, a fantastic fun guy. He's like, yeah, we we put this music on in the lab, and it was like just really intense. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but obviously he's done a lot of great things. Um, yeah. anyway, you know, the other thing is that a lot of people want to rip on it because oh, well, the mycelium is grown on brown rice. You know, so actually most of the biomass of what you're purchasing is, is brown rice. Right. And it's just the mycelium is grown on that versus when you have, um, you know, when you have a mushroom, a, fru a fruiting body, that is a hundred percent mycelium. It's a hundred percent mushroom, you know, cause basically a mushroom is mycelium. It's condensed from a hyphal knot and then it grows, expands, and then it, you know, creates the spore, uh, creating body, whether that, you know, there's a few different kinds, but. So I think that the argument is that, yeah, one is better than the other. And I, from what I've really looked into and read, and you know, I've talked to this guy, Robert Rogers, who wrote this awesome book, The Fungal Pharmacy. And you know, it seems more that the issue here uh, is just that they're different and that people want to kind of fight for what they do because a lot of people have businesses that depend on their information being the best. And so, you know, that's kind of how a lot of capitalism works, right? <laughs> hey, this is what I do. So it's the best. And uh, I think that as we move forward, we'll hopefully see more and more studies coming out with like, you know, good information. But for now, what it seems is like, yeah, the mycelium and the fruiting body are different with certain species. It's more pronounced than others. Like lion's mane is a great example because in the tests that they do have, they, it seems that the fruiting body and the mycelium are almost the same from what I read, you know, who knows, maybe there'll be more different studies that I'm unaware of, but, uh, from what I looked at, they're basically the same. Now, is it an issue that it's grown on brown rice? Like, is it digesting the brown rice and getting its enzymes up in there? And, and is that actually a benefit? Like Paul Stamets says, you know, it, it's really hard to know all the nuances of it because it's a broad conversation. Yeah. Uh, but I think that some of the factors that are certainly true is that, you know, it's hard to say for sure. <laughs> and that there's definitely, a, it seems like a price difference for products that are mycelium based versus fruiting body based. And I think that it's best if people take some mushroom product, because it, it just seems like across the board, healthier immune systems and things like that are, are the case are the outcome of using some sort of um, mushroom based supplement. So 
again, that's like from research that I read online and my own personal anecdotes. But uh, it's just a, it's a strange world we live in, Mike, you know, it's like hard yeah. to know what's true. I've read, it's like the yeah. more you read, the more you don't understand. And <laughs> I almost envy the people that just don't know anything about it. And they just believe what somebody says, because they're going to get the benefit, you know, they're going to get some benefit. Um, but then there's a lot of other problems too. Like, okay, well, you know, lion's mane has been shown that, you know, it's, uh, the aerosines, the, the element that like really helps jet, like with the nerve growth. And that is really subject, uh, to oxidation. I don't know if it's technically oxidation, but basically when it's exposed to air and light and being dried out, a lot of it is degraded immediately. So when you're purchasing a product, like, is it a dried powdered, um, version of lion's mane? Well, guess what? That makes a big difference, you know, in, in what you're purchasing versus maybe something that has, uh, you know, been dried out as a whole and not powdered and then maybe made into a tincture, something like that. I think we're going to learn a lot more about these, uh, nuances in the future, because obviously there's a lot of money, dependent on uh, the outcomes of these experiments. So I'm looking forward to more and more of that information as we become a, uh, more, a more mycophilic society as opposed to a mycophobic society. Mm, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I love that what you're doing with the, with the group, with the microdosing movement, you know, it's really like, look, there's going to be also like a level of experimentation here. So you're getting in and you're able to sort of seeing, you know, the people that are going to be involved with this are going to be able to see what works for them, what works for other people and, you know, get some expert uh, feedback and, and advice and, and some help. And, uh, and, you know, when information does come out, as you were saying, there is sort of this tendency to sort of, you know, nudge it in the direction that like this big company with this money behind it is going to benefit from. But if you have people that are in the microdosing movement who have gone through the process and are being sort of, you know, these psychonauts to a, to a certain extent with themselves and experimenting, well, they're going to have the the evidence that they need and, you know, not necessarily be swayed by maybe, uh, you know, a polished marketing presentation for some bigger company that's saying, no, this is the way to do it. Cause yeah. you already know, Hey, I tried it and I got together with 30 people who also tried it. And we all got together and, and saw what worked, what didn't work, what we're feeling, what we're not feeling and how that's working for us. And uh, to me, and, and you know, for my money, being your own alchemist is like the best thing that you could possibly do. Yeah. And we haven't even gotten into, I mean, it could be its whole own podcast, but you know, I call my workshops generally, uh, something to do the degree of like cultivating a relationship with sacred mushrooms. And, and I think that that relational element that you're talking about being your own alchemist is huge. Talking about connections, acting like psilocybin in the brain, right? <laughs> Opening up connections. It's all relationships. And I think that what you're mentioning here is really like the best thing that we can do uh, to like really prevent corporate erosion over the things that we love and care about is to maintain strong communities at the core. And it's going to take people like us, like, you know, like you and me, people that are holding platforms and holding bigger spaces to make sure that there's room for those conversations, regardless of how much or how little we're getting paid. You know, at the end of the day, like, you know, not making much money uh, running this organization. And I'm not afraid to like, if we at some point do have the opportunity to make some money, but just to make sure that our values come first, you know, and uh, to make sure that we're really making decisions that benefit our community that's one of the reasons that we are moving towards a membership model you know we just switched all of our integration support groups to being totally free 
And we're really hoping that people will believe in the work that we're doing, you know, and that they want to show up and, you know, do their own little part of psychedelic community service and just really, yeah, be a part of that community model that, you know, it relies on voices of people. It doesn't hide evidence that doesn't support the growth of our industry. You know, we really want to support good information. We want to support community and we really want to support new relationships and connections and build bridges so that we can all kind of be a part of this bigger, more essential movement, which just to put it, you know, frankly, is just like trying to, <laughs> trying to help, trying to heal, um, trying to feel better or like look at the state of the world and be like, it's not up to snuff. What can we do about this? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And there's like, I mean, there's such a, there's a, there's like a, a currency in that, you know, it's like the, when, I was taught cultivation. I, I was so excited to learn. And beyond that, I was even more excited to start sharing what I've learned and, and teaching other people. And by teaching other people, I was learning more myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once you start to get involved and really connected with the whole process and with a community, with a real community, um, there's a there's a different energetic frequency not to get all woo but there's like a different energetic frequency that 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 happens there because there's so much more uh like there's so there's so much more possibility that happens when people are in it when they're inspired when they feel connected when they feel like they have support uh and 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 when you voluntarily like want to you know i mean because we we live in this world where you could pretty much just get you could just live in your house just be isolated disconnected from everything and just order whatever you need online and it just comes to your door but when you're a part of the process you're you're really changing sort of the like value and incentive and and even like you know energetic monetary exchange you know because now all of a sudden hey you're growing lion's mane somebody else is growing reishi uh someone else is you know making microdose capsules or something and you're like hey great like we can all combine resources and information and then teach new people who want to come in and that like it, it's just this you know what i mean it's like this thing yeah. that builds on itself and it really creates this whole new sort of economy that's that's built around this the this thing so and isn't there yeah, some I, awesome project in denver that's like basically like a mycology project i think it's called denver mycology maybe or something like that uh that they have like a myco cooperative people are coming to learn and grow together so yeah, so the the organization that I'm a part of is called the Denver Mushroom Cooperative, and um, we had just we just secured a space for lab space for people to come for the community to come and to learn how to grow medicinal mushrooms and uh, learn cultivation. Uh, so that'll be that'll be active like more towards the new year. But it's a huge space, and we have like massive uh, flow hoods and, and laboratory equipment for people to come and learn and, wow. and do little, you know, take home things and have like a space where they can hold meetings. And, and, uh, and there's another organization I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm vaguely like familiar with, but the, but yeah, there's, there's all these, the, the point of the cooperative is to be that, you know, the co-op to be a cooperative, to be uh, a place where that, that energy is constantly being transferred in like a non-hierarchical way and more of a circular, uh, horizontal way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just kind of being like a beacon where people can come and, and learn and grow and expand. Um, yeah. and then new, new ideas, who knows what, 
will be birthed out of that. But we believe, like you said, we have faith. It's the same kind of thing. And then, and like, we have this network here and there's another one here and then what you guys are doing there. So it's like, you know, it's spreading in all these areas where it's able to spread. And, and then we're just going to, on top of that, have more people engaged, more people passionate, inspired, and, 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 uh, and connected and, and more information, more, um, you know, research, right. To look to. Yeah, man. I mean, what's really interesting is that like each of us can do our part to kind of create these different models for what can work as a community supported psychedelic movement, you know, and like, you know, for us, we're really working on this integration side of things, really making sure that there is the opportunity for people that just had a crazy psychedelic experience or just a really meaningful one or just something, maybe it was, you know, whatever it was, any kind of psychedelic experience, maybe they met an entity or they had to face their PTSD or, you know, it's a broad, as you know, there's a, a lot of things that could happen. Oh, yeah. That they have a place to go after that, that they have people to talk to or a place to go before that. You know, people to get prepared with, people to talk about it with, really want to build that. And then like these models, you know, um, for like the mycology access, you know, access models, you know, sure, there's always the let's just go the, uh, you know, maybe the future holds a lot of like a psychedelic um you know, was it a dispensary? Okay, sure. But that's probably the least interesting model I could think of, you know, (laughs) like, let's do something way more radical and empowering for the community, which is like, you know, getting citizen scientists to like actually create their own medicine as a collective and, you know, just make it accessible. Um, And when it comes to integration, I think that those kinds of things are a huge part of it too, right? Like, hey, the place that I went to learn how to cultivate my own medicine healed me. Just going there, just meeting other cool people doing the same thing, like et cetera, people that accepted me, wanted me to help because we have this shared, uh, this shared mission, the shared vision. And I think that so many of us, you know, myself at times included, especially where I was coming from, just felt like so aimless and disconnected from anything meaningful, you know. And I think that like we're really creating opportunities to feel like they're a part for people, myself. I mean, I'm really creating this opportunity for myself, right? I love. Uh, reflecting in a selfish lens to be like, yeah, like I really want this opportunity to feel like I'm doing meaningful work, you know, and I really want to help create the opportunity for other people to feel like they're doing meaningful work. And I think that that's really what this quote unquote community service is all about is creating just like a little bit more than we need. So the next person can like move in and fill in, be a part of growing the movement themselves. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I've I've heard people talk about uh, well, we, we want to avoid some of the mistakes that were made in cannabis legalization. Mm-hmm. Um, ha- have you heard similar kinds of, or have oh you had it? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's a great, it's a great thing to say, I think. Yeah. So what, what are some of the, I mean, like, cause I, I, I know, you know, here in Denver that there's like sort of, you know, bigger dispensaries that have taken over and sort of less yeah. like, you know, mom and pop shops or cooperative kind of experiences. And so, so for me, in my mind with Denver mushroom co-op and with the microdosing movement, San Francisco psychedelic society, and you know, all the other great places that are sort of getting people in on the ground level and building that community connection, offering integration and and learning it, 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 it kind of, um, you know, uh, is able to kind of get in and establish something that's new and different before maybe like, you know, big money bag corporate places can, can start to <laughs> come in. Is that, yeah. do you think that's like accurate or what, what do you think about that? Oh yeah. Um, well, okay. 
you know, it's, it's a complicated thing, right? Because cannabis and psychedelics are not really the same thing. Right. You know, um, you know, they're pretty different. But at the same time, they could be similar. Like, I think cannabis could be used as more of like, it, it could benefit from that um, community side of it. That's like, look, we're using this, you know, for collective healing. Here's classes on how to best use cannabis, like for this purpose or this purpose or this purpose. Not really seeing that. Um, that being said, I think that what, what happened was like, there was a really strong ethos around cannabis and community, like before all the changes, um, maybe it was before it even got like really big. I don't know. I wasn't really here, but you know, I know like 10 years ago, or maybe it was even longer, I guess probably even longer, but you know, I know some people that were in San Francisco during like the AIDS epidemic, AIDS crisis. That was obviously a long time ago, but relatively speaking. Um, and that was huge. It was huge. The first dispensaries were places for people to find a community of healing, you know, find a place that they could get relief and uh, be around people. And the people that were running those dispensaries were risking their lives to do that work. You know, they're risking their livelihood, putting it all on the line, saying, like, I believe in this. And I think it's those people that pave the way for these movements, um, people that do it for the right reason. And then we end up in a position where people with the right money show up and say, hey, it's a great opportunity to invest. And the mainstream loves that, right? It's like, oh, my God, like, this is going to be great for the economy. We're going to have more jabs, you know, like, whatever, man, you know. Right. This is about connection and relationships. So if by investing and creating these, creating these jobs or whatever, <laughs> like, like as if I don't know what a job is, it's like kind of true <laughs> jobs or whatever. Um, you know, it's like you're, you're taking away so much of the substance because you're not willing to take any risk, which was initially what made those people like what, what made like that community so rich in the first place was that people were saying, no, 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 we need a place to talk about this. That's why we exist. You know, right. we needed a place to talk about psychedelics. We needed friends we, that we could discuss our depth experiences about. And, you know, it's just hard in a world of taboo to do that. And it, and it will be for a while longer, but I think that what can, you know, really set us apart is to, not let go of that. And I don't think that psychedelics easily lend themselves to that, to be like, Oh, like, you know, integration isn't important. Just trip really hard and then go to work the next day. No hangover. You know, <laughs> it's like, I don't, I don't think that people are going to um, move in that direction as a society, but maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe that's just hopeful. Maybe that's naive, but I, I think that, you know, maintaining a place that really is about the further healing experience, right? Because integration exists as a conversation in psychedelics because the psychedelic experience itself, while it may be healing, it's temporary. You know, it really shows you the light. And I think a lot of people can confuse that for the healing, but it's like really like the personal healing comes in relationship to the seeing the light, not because you saw the light. It's like really gives you the opportunity to do the work, to become a better person. Like I really like to look at a bag of mushrooms or like, like doing mushrooms, like getting a yoga mat. Like, yeah, you might have a yoga mat, but like you have to do yoga, you know, and like you have to do the work of growing, of being a better person, of being the person you saw you could be, you know, oh, man, helping yeah. create the world. It's so funny. Can. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I was, I like had a moment this morning where I <laughs> stared at my yoga mat that was rolled up in the corner and I was like, 
All right. Well, uh, probably not going to get to it right now, but I see you. I see you there. And then uh, similarly, I I had like this thought where I was looking at my bookshelf and I'm like, man, I I really need to crack into some of these because I just have them here. Like I haven't I haven't opened like six of these books that I want to look at. So it's, yeah. Yeah, it's like you you get the you get the key, you open the door, and and it, it requires participation. It's a it's a it, my, mushrooms are are you know like it's it's like getting a new friend. You know, it's like hey, like this is a participatory experience. This is a symbiotic like relationship here. There's a give and take, and and you know if that if that happens, then you have a a fruitful relationship. You have a, a really uh, deep relationship and, and, and then there's magic that comes from yeah. that, you know? And that just brings us right back to, you know, the, the concern about the magic pill or the ego inflation pitfall that a lot of people can have with psychedelics is to think that, you know, the psychedelic experience is the healing, you know? Right. And, and it's just, it's not, it's, it's like an opportunity to rewire your brain, but it actually takes that work of ingraining the new pathways not just questioning the old ones, but actually ingraining the new pathways is like the hard part. And that's, yeah. 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 So we're, we're probably going to wrap in a, in a few, but I, what I want to get to is actually the, yeah, those pathways, like, you know, the, the healing that can occur, um, it, or, you know, the, the changes that can occur in oneself from microdosing. um, yeah, I was wondering maybe if we could talk a little bit about that because it is this sort of – it's a process and that's why the microdosing movement uh, that you've put together is over the course of six weeks and you know it's really it's, – it's a, it's a process, right? So yeah. um, what kind of things can unfold from microdosing for a prolonged period of time? Oh, man. There's just so many things that people have reported it's really incredible. I'll just speak first from my own experience. You know, um, I think I really started taking microdosing when I was uh, living in my truck. Um, I really didn't know what I was going to do next. I was in Oakland. Um, I was living in the North Bay. The house I was living in got sold. Didn't really know a lot of people. Um, so I just took my truck, moved to Oakland. It was just like kind of sleeping in the back of it for like a month truck road thing <laughs> yeah but not like really like tr road tripping just kind of like staying there uh yeah. looking trying to trying to build the connections i had and, and just really get grounded and it was in that time that microdosing helped me so much because it was really it was like winter it was raining there was like water getting into the truck and it was just bad you know it's like really just objectively a bad situation <laughs> but like um you know, I like to say that optimism is a strategy, you know, and like at optimism is like a survival strategy, um, you know, because I just think that that's the most realistic way to look at it. Like, yeah, I like to be happy. Like, I like to feel good. I like to be optimistic. And I think it's important that you know, you're not constantly optimistic because there's certain places where that can hurt you. But at large, it's like a strategy to believe that things are going to be better or things that are going to be okay. Like I, it's like my life is like actively better when I am telling myself that whether or not it's true, like that's not really important, you know? Um, however, it seems that the more I can access optimism, the better my life does get, uh, in the long run. And yeah, microdosing really helped me in that, in that, in those few months there, um, between having absolutely, you know, it was like, it wasn't just that. It was like my girlfriend broke up with me. I didn't have a place to live. And uh, I think I had like no money also. 
So it was just this like kind of all at once kind of moment. And while, you know, my heart says like, yeah, like it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. Every day says like, asks me, you know, are you going to get through this kid? And I think the microdosing in that time was just enough to like offset the cynical nature of myself, mm, you know, the like yeah. self-destructive pattern to be like, you, this is bad. This is really bad. You have to get, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, it's just like, and you know, by the end of that month, I like met some incredible people, taught a workshop, like got connected, had a place to work, you know, and people showed up for me. I made new connections, became part of the psychedelic society, etc. It was, it was extensive what came of that moment. But it really took uh, holding on, you know, and, uh, you know, so that's my story, how I started microdosing. And I've heard a lot of similar things, you know, people in relatively desperate places or people in good places that, you know, wanted to improve it. Also, interestingly, parents are uh, some of these. I don't, I don't want to say parents are just generally desperate, but, but like parents are quite often overwhelmed. Right. And it seems that there's a part of life that will like you know, especially in this world that we're living in, you know, kind of the productivity focused. It's like, if you have room to take on more, that's when you should take on more. And we're always like constantly at the edge of our comfort as a society. And I think microdosing can really help us like address that in a way that's like, oh, this wave isn't going to crush me. Like it's an opportunity to surf, <laughs> you know, I could yeah. be surfing this wave and like, I can do all this work, but how do I feel about doing all this work? And that's important, you know? And Yeah. I love what you said about, you know, how it, you were just, you weren't going to those places of, of cynicism or like, you know, as much because that's what it was like for me about like this time last year, I started a regimen of microdosing psilocybin and, you know, I was in kind of a bad place. I was in like a difficult and challenging space and I was, I had an active meditation, breath work practice. I was going to the gym, but those things alone, it was still hard for me to hold on because I would still give into the, oh my God, it's, this is so challenging. This is so hard. Like, but when I started microdosing, it, it was like just a soft pillow to kind of rest on a little bit. It, it, it took some of the, those negative inclinations and just sort of uh, you know, disintegrated them a little bit or dispersed them a little bit. And I was able to really function at the level that I wanted to function at and keep going through those difficult times, yeah. uh, which is, I mean, huge, such a huge benefit changed, changed everything for me. Yeah. I, I know you got to go, but this is actually, I really want to make a point about this. Um, you know, this is actually where I ended up. I was microdosing like two to three times a day, like kind of just, I had made this paste i was calling it mushroom butter and i just like take a little a little you know it's like a paste of like honey and medicinal mushrooms and psilocybin and cubensis you know powdered and mixed together and i was just like dipping into it like throughout the day kind of um for a couple months at one point and it was for exactly that reason for exactly the reason that oh it's just like a little pillow and i found that i was pushing myself so far outside my comfort zone that i was really starting to fall apart and I do want to caution people about that. Like you can abuse anything and that these microdosing isn't immune to that either, you know? And I really, it wasn't hard for me to stop once I realized that I was doing that. 
but I did end up in that cycle. So I just want to say that that's possible as well. So, you know, to ask you a question, maybe you don't have an answer. It's fine. But did that experience that you have like guide you to something else that was going on? Did it help you address part of yourself that maybe was otherwise unchecked? And did you grow through that experience with microdosing? Yeah, definitely. I think it it just it kept me on course for the things, you know, uh, so often I'll have things that I want to be doing and then things that I'm capable of doing and then things that I tend to like push myself to do that I'm not capable of doing. And so through that microdosing experience for like 3 months around this time last year starting in the fall more like around like October, it 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 just it, it like gave me a little bit of um just, you know, trust the process, stay on course, don't overwhelm yourself. So I really, I, you know, I started very low, 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 low and worked a little bit higher, but not too much higher. Um, and yeah, I've had some negative experiences, but not at, with this particular case, it was, I felt like I had did, I'd done it the right way. And I can mm. only, I can only imagine like, you know, that it would have been so much better too. Uh, to have a support system like the what you've created with the microdosing movement. So I definitely urge people. And you know, the cool thing about about this is that you've gone there, Seth. Like you've been to like the the challenging places. You've been to the places of like, you know, you, you've, you've trialed and errored yourself. So you know, like the pitfalls, the dark sides, the misconceptions, you've experienced it. You've, you've been through it. And I think that's so valuable to have somebody who's been there and and been on the positive and negative side of things to to now have this microdosing movement where people can be a part of something where they're really getting a full comprehensive overview of like what what this is and like the the whole lay of the land and the territory and 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 the ups and downs and and and, and it all so um yeah, yeah thank I, you man yeah so so yeah i think that like definitely you know for with my experience it could have been also enhanced by having uh, a community and especially a community that is uh, dedicated to, you know, this unfolding process over the course of six weeks. So, man, I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's it, like, <laughs> we, we, we could, we could go on for, for hours. Unfortunately, I really feel like that. Yeah. Let's just, I, you know. unfortunately I do have to go, but um, you know, uh, you're Dang welcome it. to come on the show anytime. I'm, I'm down to chat about anything. And, and uh, so, yeah, I guess like, I definitely think that this is a really cool thing. And, and so I, I put it in like all the links that, that for the microdosing movement are in like my social media and stuff. I've posted about it, you know, for anybody out there that, that is thinking of experimenting with microdosing or maybe is currently experimenting with microdosing, go check it out. I have the links up there. Tell them where else they could go and, and, you know, just uh, what else they should know about this uh, coming up on, on Sunday, December 13th. Yeah, awesome, man. Thank you so much. Um, you know, we just launched a new website. It's uh, even like, even as I speak, it's like in the throes of launching. So I think, you know, by the time this is out there, it, it should be up for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, psychedelic society, sf.org. 
you know, you can go there, find out about the many other events that we're hosting. Like really we have like 10 integration. Um, we have different circles for whether it's addiction recovery, we have a women's group, we have a just standard integration circle. We have, you know, we're going to have the microdosing group starting up pretty soon. We have a dream circle, a BIPOC group. Like we're really trying to hit the different niches and weave together a broad community. Um, additionally, you know, we just are launching the membership, uh, opportunity uh, so people can kind of get involved go a little bit deeper with us that offering is going to gain richness uh, on a constant basis and you know it's the end of the year so if you're kind of wondering if you should pay taxes this year i think no i think you should take your tax money the things you have to pay and i think you should donate it to your community service uh, do some community service in the psychedelic world and donate to us we're a 501c3 tax deductible so you know I think that we're cooler than taxes at least. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, it, yeah, so that's an opportunity. You can always give us a donation, become a member. And we're really trying to build something rich here that is a huge offering for anybody um, entering the space. You know, we're not providing access to substances, but we'll teach you how to grow your own mushrooms and we'll get you connected with other people that can uh, really make help us make sense of this crazy world that we're living in right now. Uh, of course, everything's online right now because, you know, we've had to make that switch with COVID, but it's given us a great opportunity to have a global reach. And while we will maintain that as soon as possible, we're going to be getting our um, bits and pieces together and creating a in-person community center, hopefully with a lab space like you were talking about in Denver, Mike, and a place to, you know, do our small groups and things like that, as well as who knows, maybe a little cafe in a living room. Uh, we really just want to give a place for the needs of this broader community to take root. Um, and while we're in a place with just, you know, there's basically a huge lighthouse that everybody's spending millions of dollars on this lighthouse that just broadcasts hope, psychedelic hope. And that's through the research that's going on. And there's not a lot of money going to the support for those, um, the hungry masses, just everybody that wants to be a part of this movement. There's not a lot happening for them. Um, so that's what we're trying to show up and just make sure that everybody has a place. We have a bottom line in our community to just get involved in, you know, nobody's going to get left behind if they don't want to. We, so we just trying to get the word out about it and looking for you to come show up. So thanks for listening. Thanks a lot for having me, Mike. It is a blessing to do this work and, and really to have, you know, people like you to just chat with and help get the word out, man. Thank you so much for your service. And yeah, thank you, everybody listening to. Yeah, thank you, Seth. And, you know, I, I think you guys, what you're building with San Francisco Psychedelic Society, it's it's happening. Like, I see it and I feel it. And, you know, the support that you gave to the decriminalization initiative, decriminalized nature, and just all the wonderful things that you guys are doing. So, you know, we talked a lot about the microdosing movement, and that's coming up on December 13th. But really, go check out everything that the San Francisco Psychedelic Society is offering, because there's a lot of spaces out there. But, you know, it's really about the, the, the character of the people, the quality of the of what they're bringing to the table, and I can't vouch for you know Seth and Danielle and everybody over at San Francisco Psychedelic Society enough. I think it's wonderful what they're building and and the heart and the intention and the community uh, that you guys are, are are building out there. I I can feel it. 
and uh, I, I love to uh, to be a part of it as well. And and it's really cool because they're they're for their microdosing movement. Seth, you guys are doing a a sliding scale as well, and so you're trying to really get everybody involved. And um, there's a limited amount of scholarship tickets available. So uh, thank you so much, Seth, uh, for everything that you do for being here today. And all the links that you guys will need will be in the show notes description. And uh, that's it. Mycadelic, Microdose, San Francisco Psychedelic Society, Seth Rodose. It, we're out. <laughs> and we out. <laughs> All right, man. Much love. Peace, everyone. All right. Well, that's the show. Hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. If you want to get involved in this microdosing movement, hurry up and act now and click on the link in the show description. Go to my link tree on social media if you want to check it out there. Whatever is easiest for you. I got that link right in the show description. should appear right on your podcast player. Uh, and uh, get a spot. The microdosing movement is going to be an awesome. Everything that you want to know about microdosing, get you started in the world of microdosing, get you started in the world of psychedelics. So check that out. Uh, it's going to be really epic. And big shout out to Sheath Underwear. Love Sheath Underwear. They're so comfortable. I love wearing them. Everybody that I've recommended it to loves wearing them. You get 20% off uh, if you go to sheathunderwear.com and enter the promo code Mikeadelic at checkout. Big shout out to all my patrons, all my new patrons. I love you guys. Love you really so much. Thank you so much for the support on Patreon. If you want to consider being a, a Patreon member, go to patreon.com slash Mike Brank and uh, get access to bonus content and community group Zoom calls and Discord chat and all that fun stuff. Also, big shout out to everybody that leaves five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. It helps the pod tremendously. So thank you from the bottom of my heart from everybody that reaches out to tell me uh, how awesome the show is and how much they're loving it. And spread the love, uh, share what you like, and uh, really uh, much, much love to all of you out there. Peace.